hope you guys are doing well. So welcome back to our Royal Investing Show. This is kind of our real estate 101 we have every Wednesday um, where we bring you guys both educational topics, guest speakers, um, and then we also do Q&A portions as well. I think most of the folks in here today know each other. So we'll just do a general catch up, let you guys connect as investors, see what's going on with your portfolios. Um, and then also the topic for the day is we have a really great guest speaker, Dan McCabe, is going to be talking to us about reverse 1031s. Thank you. Um, yeah, okay. so I'm going to go ahead and actually hand it off to Dan, make sure we have enough time. Um, like I said, though, you know, a lot, I think there's a lot of information coming from Dan in these kind of presentations. So any questions, keep them top of mind. We'll have that Q&A here at the end. But Dan, I'm going to hand it off to you, bud. Today, we're going to talk about reverse exchanges. We're going to walk you through our little slideshow. And uh, at the end, we're going to open up to any questions you might have. And, and uh, just remember, in these classes, the only uh, dumb question is the one you don't ask, because then you don't have an answer to. So if something pops up in the middle, by all means, you know, uh, make a note, and uh, we'll, we'll cover it at the end. Ex reverse exchanges have been around as long as I've been doing uh, exchanges, which been a long time um, since 1977 when I did my first one as part of my practice of law, but um, doing them full time for the last 26 years and, and they're becoming very, very popular. And one of the reasons they're becoming so popular is because of the hotness, the hot market. Um, people are reluctant to uh, sell what they've got until they know which way they're going. So as we walk through this, you'll see that a lot of these reverse exchanges are done simply because they want to capture that new property before they sell the old. So let's get started and, uh, and we get into it. Oops, there we go. What's the purpose of a, of a reverse exchange? Let me just use a little terminology. The reverse exchange al allows you to buy the old, buy the new before you sell the old. In a normal 1031, you will all remember from our prior class or from your own experience, we're selling and we got 45 days to go out and list what we want to purchase and then 180 days from the date of closing within which we have to buy it. Reverse exchange is the opposite. We're going to go out and buy the new one first. And prior to 2000, uh, we would do this and they would stretch out. There was no time limit on them. And so we did some really interesting Really interesting things. Uh, the one you will all probably recognize is we actually did a reverse exchange, a reverse improvement exchange on the IBM World Headquarters in New York City. Uh, that was $137 million worth of improvements. Um, but that took some time. The IRS started making noises about that. And so I got to be involved as part of the, the uh, team that uh, tried to put give input and out of that came what is called Revenue Procedure 2037. And that's what everybody operates under today. And Revenue Procedure 2037, which came out in 2000, obviously, basically says if you do these things and you follow these timeframes, we, the IRS, agree that we will not audit your exchange. So you get out of, you know, you get a basically get out of jail free card. So that's the essence of a reverse exchange. Let's dive into them a little bit deeper. Number one, purchase a new property before you sell the old. That's the number one reason that we're doing them today. And we do a significant number of them all over the country. 
Number two, you can make improvements using your exchange funds. Number three, you can build new construction using your exchange funds. Now, I have to warn you on number two and number three, the usual problem we see there is the difficulty in the governmental aspect of improvements. So when we start building a property, we can spend a lot of money pretty rapidly. Builders will rock and roll and spend your money you know, pretty fast. The problem is you've only got 180 days and if you don't have all your permits and everything in line, it really, really makes it difficult. So that's the general problem with number two and number three here is the governmental portion of the construction process. Okay, why do you wanna utilize it? Number one, the IRS will not allow you to put 1031 proceeds into property you're already entitled to. So you can't go buy the new one and then pay off the mortgage when you sell the old one, that does not qualify. So what we do is we purchase on your behalf, the new property. We'll get into that just a little bit more. Number two, you can acquire a desirable property in any market condition. And you can certainly see that this is about as hot as I can remember in quite some time. Number three, we can create something that doesn't exist. In other words, we can, use your tax deferred dollars. And the example we've got up here is one, actually it's right near my home that we did where we literally converted a Texaco service station into a Starbucks with $1031 on a reverse exchange. And so when we're, my wife and I are walking our dog around the lake, we quite often stop at that Starbucks and, and uh, refresh ourselves. But it just, it just opens up a myriad of things that you can do and options that are otherwise not available to you. And again, take advantage of unexpected opportunities. I've had a number of our clients call up and say, um, Dan, I got to move. I got to move on this one now. And uh, so we can do that. We can move pretty rapidly and allow you to step in and, and take control of an opportunity um, that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. Okay, how does it work? ERG and the client enter into an agreement and that agreement sets forth a couple of really important things. First thing we need to discuss is the financing options and the methods. Have you got the cash to self-fund it? Are you gonna have to use a lender? Do we need to get on the phone with, with the VP of your, of your bank? How are we going to do this? Because we are going to set up a limited liability company. You'll see, we'll refer to this again here in a minute, called an EAT. And that EAT is going to borrow the money either from the lender or from you, or usually from you and a lender. And that EAT is going to take control of the property. But we need to, we need to walk through that and discuss exactly how that's going to take place. And that's the usual sticking, excuse me, <clears throat> usual sticking point because um, this is not what the lender is used to seeing. And I can tell you that in the last three years, I've only had one lender say absolutely not. And his reason was he didn't want to do the brain damage to learn about it. But if we can have an opportunity to walk your lender through and make him understand that he's not, not going to be diminished in his um, security position, then he's usually ready to go forward. And generally, the lender will want to secure the new property 
and then have you on the loan as a personal guarantor. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to walk you through the rules, tell you what the limitations are, tell you how it has to flow so that you arrive at a comfort level with exactly what you're doing and what's going on. If we can't bring you to that comfort level, nobody's going to be happy. Then we established a limited liability company. We're going to refer to it from here on as the EAT. That's, a, that's the words that IRS uses, so we'll take their language. And that's in whichever state the, the property is going to be in. And just so you know, we usually need a couple of weeks to get that done because several of the states right now, Texas is taking about a week or 10 days. Florida is taking between 10 days and three weeks to get the to get the entities back to us. And we set up a separate entity for each and every one of these things that we do. So there cannot be any cross-contamination between your and your deal and George's deal. Um, each one of these are, are individually uh, established and we are the, we have a master company that is the owner until such time as we transfer it to you. He takes title and closes on a desired property. So the, the title is transferred from the seller to the EAT subject to whatever financing is in place, be that to you, be that to, the, to a lender, be that to both. At that point in time, we do something very important. We lease the property back to you so that you can manage it on a day-to-day, -day. you can have the income, you can take the expenses. We want you to have as much control over that property as possible while war, we are still the legal owner to keep the Internal Revenue Service happy. There are some ex expenses and income that is uh, expensed out of the EAT. Improvements are paid for by the EAT because an owner pays for improvements. And so we, if you wanna do something to the building, we borrow another 50,000 from you and we do whatever you wanna do to the building. You make those decisions, we just pay the bills. When you sell the old property, it's a separate, what we call a straight 1031. The proceeds from that flow into an exchange account. We then have a conversation and I say, okay, Charlie, what do you want to do now? Just had one yesterday. How much of this do you want to apply to the, to the $5 million you loaned us? And how much of this do you want to apply to the $5.3 million the bank put up? So we walk through that exactly how it's going to take place. The usual answer is give me back my money and then use the rest of it for the bank. Okay. Then as a manager of the EAT, we transfer ownership of the EAT and thus the underlying property, according to the Internal Revenue Service, to you as your replacement property by day 180. And that day 180 starts at the earlier, whichever first occurs, of the purchase of your new property or the sale of the old property. So whichever first occurs, that starts the clock ticking. Now, a couple of the benefits of doing it this way, in some of the states, Florida is an example, um, you have some really, really high transfer taxes. And this avoids the transfer taxes because we're not redeeding the real estate, we're simply transferring the ownership of the underlying EAT. Caleb and I just had one not too long ago, you'll appreciate this, where the the town transfer tax on that transaction was $595,000. That was just the town transfer tax. Well, we saved that when we transferred it back to the client because 
we didn't we weren't redeeding the property we were simply transferring ownership of the eat to the client and therefore it didn't qualify as a transfer under the city's taxing schedule so there was you know 600 grand saved right there i'll point out that was a a 37.4 million dollar condo purchase so some of these get pretty good sized improvement exchange i want to buy this and i want to make some modifications to it again the eats established and it's fund via either new cash from you or new cash from the lender all right so we buy it then we have additional funds exchange proceeds can be used when they're available if you've sold your old property, we can transfer those funds through and you can you can use those for improvements. And essentially, then when the property gets transferred to you, after we close on the new park property, and after we begin a construction agreement, so that you are the construction manager, and you can go to the county or the city, you can go to the builders, you can sign the construction contracts, and manage the project. I don't see very very many of these and uh um you know we we have as little involvement other than that involvement that's required by the internal revenue service because we want you to manage your property and and uh, nobody knows it like you do all right work begins but we pay the bills so it is fairly routine that you will shoot me a bill from xyz construction and we send them a check copy you on it and that's how we we go forward if we try to have all the exchange proceeds spent by day 180 all right so there's been a few times that on day uh you know 178 we're writing some pretty good sized checks to contractors as a manager of the eat we transfer the ownership again to you on the 180 days or when all of the proceeds have been spent, but the property is now increased in value. So it's the purchase price plus any improvements we've done. So you've stepped up and used your 1031 proceeds to improve the property that you uh, purchased. Very common question that we get here and a certificate of occupancy is not required. And if you want to, you can go ahead once the 1031 is done, you can continue to do improvements with your own money because it's your property after the 1031 is completed. But we try to get all the exchange funds flushed through the EAT before your 180 days. Construction, same thing. EAT's established, it's funded by uh, just as it was with an improvement exchange. Your funds are the or the lender's funds, okay? Start with the intent that the construction can be completed or funds expended within 180 days. And I have to warn you, new construction is difficult uh, and it's basically difficult because you can't get the governmental aspect of construction completed in time. Again, contractors can spend money pretty rapidly, but if you're trying to build a new one, and you've got to have the architectural plans approved and the site plans approved and you've got to get permission from the state highway department to put in a driveway or all of those types of governmental things that take place those slow the process down so if you're going to do this type of a thing what you probably want to do is have your plans in hand have 
those types of things pre, um, you know, pre-started to get them, get them started uh, even in advance. If the owner of the land will allow you to go to the county, and I've seen this happen having sat on a county planning commission for a number of years, you know, that an owner would sign a letter authorizing the prospective purchaser to make applications for zone changes and for building permits and those types of things. Um, new construction is difficult just because of the timing. We close on the raw land. We have a construction management agreement, just like we did before, allows you to, to act on behalf of the EAT. Work begins again. We pay the bills or we apply the proceeds out of your 1031. You review and approve all those bills. We don't pay any of them. Got to be done by the day 180. And we transfer ownership of the EAT to you. Again, CO is not required. Construction may continue thereafter, but we want to get all of your 1031. Uh, we want to meet your 1031 reinvestment goal. And that's simply cash plus debt relief out of your old property. Try to meet that by the 180th day. Okay. I cannot make payments directly to you. That is not allowed. But um, yeah, I just had one in, in uh, Jackson, Wyoming, Jackson Hole to most of you. Um, and in that case, you know, how do you buy three big screens? So he just set up a, a credit card, sent it to us, and we paid it. Okay. Um, but I can't, I can't make a check payable to you. Things you need to really plan in advance for. And again, you know, proper prior planning is so important. The lender requirements. Get the lender on board early on, get them comfortable with the process, get them uh, through their due diligence so that they're ready to rock and roll um, on your 180th day. Planning and zoning, this is a constant, constant issue. Um, you just have to get your ducks in a row, you know, and hopefully you don't get bit by any of the ducks in the process of hurting them. But this is a, a constant problem, particularly with the new construction. And then improvements must be in place by day 180. I'm fairly confident we've, pray, we've paid for windows that are still sitting on the ground. And I'm fairly confident we've paid for two by fours that might be sitting in a pile. But um, to my knowledge, uh, no one's ever come out to take pictures of it and the improvements are there, they just need further work. If you have any questions, we'll be more than glad to answer them. This is a really complex issue in that it fits so many different scenarios. I mean, we do everything. I'm not gonna tell you we've done it all, but I think we're getting close. Um, you know, we, we do, every one of these has a slightly different twist to it, obviously just by its very nature. And um, we, we, each one of them are very customized. Uh, obviously they're much more expensive than a, than a um, straight 1031, just so that you have a point of reference. On average, a reverse exchange will run a, uh, there's two fees basically. Number one is the option fee, which is a fee you pay, which uh, you know, basically pays us um, so that you have the exclusive option to purchase the property. And then we lease the property back to you for $1,000. So you're looking at 6,500 generally, 
6,500 on one side, a thousand. So you're looking at $7,500. Um, and then you'll have a, a 1031 fee when you do it straight 1031. And, you know, sometimes they're a little bit more, sometimes they're a little bit less depending on the value and bluntly the time that's required to complete the project. This is what I do almost exclusively. It's what Caleb does with about half of his time. And so you can see that, um, you know, they're, they're a growing, uh, growing portion of what we do and a growing portion of the 1031 industry. So if you've got any questions, let's try to, let's try to answer them. <laughs>